Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Today on the Sakara Life Podcast, I am so excited to sit down with Dr. Jill Blakeway, who is best known for being an energy medicine expert and the author of the book, Energy Medicine. Also, in support of our new libido campaign definitely check that one out. We are chatting all things libido and its connection to our energy and life force. Here at Sakara, we often talk about how being sexy isn't about a body type or the way that you look, but really about the way that you feel. It's the energy we radiate out into the world and how we carry ourselves. Through Food as Medicine, we strive to give people the tools to build a body they love and feel really good in. As Danielle likes to say, food should make you feel sexy. And we are so excited to bring this conversation to you today so you can better understand the connection between the food we eat, our thoughts, and our energy, and how it all affects our libido. Dr. Jill Blakeway is a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine, a licensed and board-certified acupuncturist, and a clinical herbalist. Jill founded the Yanova Center in 1999, and she is also the author of Energy Medicine and Sex Again, Recharging Your Libido. That's her new book, which focuses on women's sexual health. Dr. Blakeway also founded the acupuncture program at the NYU Lutheran Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York, where she acted as head of inpatient acupuncture services for many years. Her work has been featured in New York Magazine, New York Times, Martha Stewart Living, and Town and & Country, just to name a few. She's also made an appearance in our Sakara sessions that we do, these monthly events. And she is just an amazing person all the way around, an expert in energy. And we're so excited to have her on the Sakara Life podcast today. So let's get into the conversation. I remember I came to visit you on yes. my fertility journey and we did some yes. acupuncture and some energy moving yeah. and that type of thing. So, you know, I definitely, I have a special place in my heart for you and what you do. <laughs> Thank you, Whitney. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the Sakara Life podcast today and to be talking about a hot and steamy topic. Today, we're going to be talking sex. And this is really interesting to me because I think of you as the energy doctor, that you wrote the book Energy Medicine, which I love, and you really dig into the science behind energy and how it works and how it's a real thing and it affects our bodies, it affects our lives, it affects our relationships. And now you're bringing it over into this world, which 
I hadn't thought too much about until we started really digging into what you do and talking about libido and seeing that there actually is that connection there between the two. So I'm so excited to dig into that. But before we get started, I almost forgot the important question that we ask all of our guests who join us on the Sakara Life podcast, which is, what do you feel is your mission here on earth? It's such a good question. And like a lot of people, and I bet this is true for you too, my mission has changed as I've got gone through my life. So I went to Chinese medical school. I did a master's originally in Chinese medicine with just a desire to help people. It was kind of as broad and naive as that. And then that was over 20 years ago. And as I've continued to work with people, I've begun, particularly with my last book, Energy Medicine, which you mentioned, Whitney, I've begun to understand that my mission now is to explain to people how we're energetically connected and how that's measurable. As you know, because you've read the book, Whitney, uh, people who are interviewing other people like you and I are now, one person's heart waves start to show up in the other person's brain waves. Or at the University of Connecticut, they put two people in separate MRIs. And when one thought about the other, their brainwaves synced up, even though they were in different rooms. And so I feel that in this stage of my journey, my mission is to explain that we're all connected in imperceptible, but very important ways, and that we're affecting each other. So we need to be very conscious of what we're putting out and what we're letting in. Absolutely. And I love that you're bringing the science to this and bringing awareness to this, because so many people just call it you know, like a synchronicity of, oh, I was thinking about this person and then they just happened to call me. And this happens to me all the time. And especially with the people that I'm closest to or I feel most connected to, I can be thinking about them and then they feel it. And they say, oh, I was thinking about you too. And it's not just a coincidence. It actually is science. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we're only just being able to explore it. And it's what I looked at in my last book, Energy Medicine, was all the ways we start to be able to measure our connection. And I started, to be honest, Whitney, because I had strong energy coming out of my hands that people could feel. And I had no idea what it was. I, you know, I thought, for all I know, this is a placebo and people are very impressed by it and then they get better, but it's not really doing anything. And so I, uh, Collins paid me to go around the world asking people, what is that connection? And can it be used as a prompt to heal people? And what the scientists call it is a resonant bond, that we we appear to create a resonant bond with each other. And this is actually important for sex too, but for all sorts of things. So for instance, when I'm with a patient, I submitted my body to science. And what I found out was that when I'm with a patient, my heart and my brain go into internal coherence is what it's called. They go at the same frequency. And to do that, I slow down my brain quite a lot. And then the patient's heart goes into the same frequency as mine, thanks to something called mirror neurons. And at that point, magic happens. Information gets passed. The patients tell me they feel really peaceful. I actually feel really peaceful too. It's a very nice connected feeling without any kind of pull to it. And you can imagine this is applicable for sex too, that sex at its best is a form of energetic connection. Yeah, let's dig into that. So I want to know... What happens during sex from an energetic perspective and how can we get there? How can we make it more of an energetic experience? 
Well, I wrote my second book, Sex Again, back in 2013. And my first book was called Making Babies, and it was all about how to get pregnant. And then my fertility patients would tell me that they'd worked so hard at getting pregnant that they thought they may never want to have sex again. And so I wrote a book called Sex Again. And to do it, I drew on my own field, which is traditional Asian medicine. And I looked at the ancient Taoists in China who had a complex system of sexual exercises, sexercises, if you would like to help people have uh, energetic connection. And so thousands of years ago, they understood that the important part of sex was the energetics of it and that sexual experiences can either pay in and make you feel better or they can be detracting in some way and you can feel diminished by them. And so the question is how to have more of those sexual experiences that pay in. And in the book, I look at all sorts of exercises and we start as all sexuality, I think, does with exercises you do with yourself to circulate your own sexual energy. A lot of us concentrate our sexual energy in our pelvis. We don't let it spread too far. It it starts to feel a little out of control. So I do exercises to help you move your own sexual energy. And then we do the same exercises. If you have a partner, you do them together. And they're they're aimed at creating that sense of connection. And what I think that sense of connection is, Whitney, is I think at some level, our consciousnesses are all one. And we kind of know that. And we don't get in our very sort of physical existence here on the earth. We don't get to experience oneness very often. People sometimes have ecstatic spiritual experiences or meditational experiences that give them some sense of that breadth of connection and support that's out there. But one of the most accessible experiences of oneness is in fact sex. And I think that's why the drive is so important. It's also, of course, a drive towards creativity and literally creating a human being. But I think part of the drive is to experience oneness. Wow. That is incredible. Like it's transcending you to this place of almost like a moment of enlightenedness, just feeling connected to all beings everywhere. I'd say not all sex is like that. It has to be (laughs) intentional and consensual. And I think you have to be in a state of, I don't know, relaxation. And in that moment, almost like in a meditation where you can clear your mind and You know, these days it can be difficult and so many people feel like they have low libido, like they have a low sex drive because of stress and lifestyle and their time constraint and all of these different things. I want to ask you two questions. One, can you define libido for us? Like, what is that sex drive? Where does it come from? And two... How can we get in the mood when we're so bogged down by this crazy, fast-paced world? Well, libido, you know, in theory, is just the the wish to have sex. But it's a very primitive drive in some ways. It is the drive to create. It's the drive for connection. And even I treat a lot of people who whose sex drive has become in some way dysfunctional. 
like sex addicts and things, but at the bottom of it, there is still often the drive for connection. I say to the patients, it's like looking for connection in all the wrong places somehow, (laughs) but it's still a, a drive for connection. And the reason I think that people struggle with their libido, or one of the reasons is we just talked about energetic connection and that sort of drive to feel oneness. Well, one of the ways that we experience oneness is by letting go of the self. And actually, in our a very sort of modern culture, sex has become extremely performative. We're um, bombarded with visual images, most of which we can't live up to. You know, people feel like they can't live up to. And what it does is it takes people out of themselves. They're permanently thinking, how do I look? You know, how is this appearing? And thanks to the internet and, and the ubiquity of porn, that's become, which is so performative and not really like real sex for most people. It's a different version. I think that that's one of the main issues is that it's hard to be unself-conscious in a world where everything is mitigating against you being able to let go. Uh, So obviously the images you get and that a part of that and lack of body confidence uh, doesn't encourage letting go. But also you mentioned the fast paced world. If you've got a to-do list running in your head, it's hard to let go. Or even just make the time. Yes. You know, you have to prioritize it. And when you're doing a million things and you're feeling stressed out and you have kids or family around and maybe there's tension between you and your partner, how do you connect back to that sexual drive? Well, it's one of the things I enjoy about helping my patients reconnect to their sexuality because it's so multi-layered. It's interesting from that point of view because some of it is social. Some of the issues are related to past trauma, what I would call energetically a pain body in your body. A lot of women I treat have some sort of sexual trauma, sadly, that stops them from letting go because they don't feel safe. Those are those are deep issues that need to be healed. Some of them heal themselves with some talk therapy and reframing. Some of them I would do much more energetically and just help them move that pain that is no longer protecting them in that way. So it's very multi-layered. And I think if you're going to start chipping away at why don't I have sex, I'm too tired is the biggest reason (laughs) in my practice. People are just like, I'm too tired. I get the kids to bed at the end of the day and I would rather just sit in front of Netflix than do one more thing, which I totally In a way that's true. (laughs) It's true. And in a way that's just a cop-out. Like it's it's an easy, safe excuse to use that's not vulnerable because it's harder to talk about the real deep vulnerable things. Yes. Well, I think if sex was more meaningful and enjoyable to you, you would find time. Do you mean you find time for other things? People find time. And so often you're right. I'm too tired is the first line. And when we start to roll that back, it's I don't particularly enjoy it anyway. And so it's hard for me to really get enthusiastic you know, that kind of thing. Uh, And you mentioned tensions in a relationship. I think that's part of it. You know, being angry with your partner is not conducive to, you know, letting go of self in that way. Why would you? Uh, And so there's things to be done. (laughs) And I think one of the things that I liked in your new book was that you talked about how sometimes the problem is 
the symptom, how do I explain this around like the tension in the relationship makes you not want to have sex, but maybe sex is the cure for the tension in the relationship. And same with physical ailments in the body. You know, I'm three months postpartum and I'm still very much healing. And so sex seems a little bit scary to me right now. And I, and I keep thinking, Oh, I want to heal before I go there. But at the same time, you know, reading your book, I'm thinking, well, maybe sex is part of the cure to help me and my body heal. Well, one of the things that I wrote about in Sex Again is that sex isn't just penetrative sex at all. Sensuality is very broad. And I do think, you know, you're healing and you're protective of an area that is still healing. But there's so much sort of gentle touch that would be very nurturing to you that is still very important, you know, and that's part of your sexual connection. And sometimes I send my patients home to give a massage with powder, um, cornstarch, uh, just a very light massage with cornstarch to their partner. And just feeling that very gentle touch, as opposed to a sort of deep massage with oil, just a very gentle touch on the skin, hugely important and hugely nourishing and part of your sexual connection, I think, with your partner. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, of thinking that even when it comes to getting back into sex, that it's not just like a dive all in type of thing, that there are ways to ease back into it. And what if you're, we're living in a pandemic right now, people are separated from each other, maybe someone is single and doesn't have a partner at the moment but wants to experience some of these, the benefits of sex in this healing energy. If, if they're reading your book and they're seeing how sex can enforce that life energy and creative energy that you're talking about it, that it can help heal certain ailments in your body. What advice do you have for them if they don't have a partner in their lives? Well, all the exercises I wrote about in Sex Again, I did write for couples, but also for people on their own. Because you're, it's it's actually really important. And if you are on your own at the moment, there's no reason for your sexuality to wither at all. And this is a time to sort of connect with yourself. And we we mention sex as a connection to a partner, but it's also a way of letting down the self so that you feel your connection to all things, and that you can do on your own. And so I would suggest starting to ask yourself what gives you pleasure, sensual pleasure, and not feeling guilt about that and prioritizing some sensual pleasure. I think sometimes, and this is interesting because, of course, you are very, you know a lot about the energetics of food. Sometimes people give themselves sensual pleasure through food. And sometimes they do that beautifully through Saqqara type meals. <laughs> and sometimes they just kind of start to give themselves that, that sort of hunger, that craving for sugar and heavy carbs that kind of push down. That's a way of numbing your feelings. Yeah. And at Saqqara, we, we definitely talk about the energy of food and how food carries an energy. It carries a life force. And are you eating foods that energize you or do you are you eating foods that are taking away that energy just like you're talking about sex that energizes or sex that takes away and that one of Danielle's taglines that she shares is 
food should make you feel sexy. And what she means by that is that the foods that you eat should energize you, that they should increase that life force in you and not make you feel bogged down and bloated and not good in your body, but make you feel energized and really amazing in your body. And that sexy is not a shape, a body shape. It's not a body image. It's really an energy. It's how you feel, right? It's like what you were talking about. Yeah. And there's something about nourishing yourself with whole foods that are full of life, that vibrate with information is how I'd see it, that sort of energy that is very self-loving. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then there are there are ways you can eat that are very self-punishing. And in order to feel sexy, you need to be self-loving. Yeah. You need to really genuinely believe that you're worth it, that you're worth having this feeling. You don't, you know, self-consciousness is part of sort of self-rejection in some ways Mm. it's a it really gets in the way of a happy sex life I think and so yeah starting with what you eat is very sexy and when you're talking about the self-confidence what do you think about faking it till you make it I'm not talking about faking orgasms I'm just talking about like this maybe you're feeling a lot of self-loathing should you kind of fake it till you make it what do you think well it depends on the state of your relationship Yeah, there are relationships that have some inherent abuse in them where just faking it perpetuates that and is not good for your soul. And you know if you're in one of those relationships. But if you're just tired and you've got out of the habit, I do think sex leads to more sex. It's funny how that happens. My patients tell me, oh, you know what? We just had a quickie and I felt more attached to him all day. And I realized, oh, that was fun kind of thing. There is a time to just do it (laughs) because happy, healthy sexual connection leads to more happy, healthy sexual connection, I think, and closeness. And so, you know, actually, whether that would help you or whether that's just prolonging something dysfunctional for you, I think. People know. And back to this, let's say you don't have a partner. Perhaps you're also postmenopausal. How important is sex at that time in one's life? Let's say, you know, maybe you're divorced, your kids have kind of grown up, and but you're and you're finding joy in lots of other places in your life. Do you think it's still important to you know, to masturbate, to cultivate your sexual energy, or or can you find that life force elsewhere? I think you can find it elsewhere, actually. And far be it from me to tell people how to manage their sexuality. I think, you know, it's a very unique individual part of you in some ways, and your desires are unique to you. I always support people in that. And, you know, choosing not to have sex is a perfectly legitimate choice. And I would support someone in that. But I would say, don't just shut down because you think you've got older. (laughs) You know, don't don't just shut down because society doesn't show you images of people in your age group being sexy uh, Mm. at all. And I think that is part of what 
shuts women in their 40s and 50s down is that they, the images are very youthful and they start to think that they don't have permission to be sexual. So I would encourage people who want to want to have sex again, want to want to have sex again, <laughs> to, um, uh, to explore it, you know, and see if that's something that is missing from your life that would make you feel more vibrant, more alive. It's a very creative part of you. It's not just for creating babies. After you've had your menopause, in ancient Chinese medicine, they used to say that the blood from the uterus after menopause goes back to nourish the heart so that you can have more wisdom and compassion and connection, which I actually really like. And many so of beautiful. my patients postmenopausally will tell you that they're having the best sex of their lives. Uh, that happens quite a lot. And the reason is they're no longer worried about contraception and children and things like that. They have some confidence in their bodies, even though they're not quite, you know, what they were when they were in their 20s. They're, they're less self-critical. Uh, they're more compassionate about their partners. So lots of people will tell you that in their 50s and 60s, they're having a, a really happy sex life that has stopped being predicated on what society sells you about sexuality. I think that's incredible. And I've been hearing so many people lately talk about how the best years in life are yet to come, even as you're aging, that your best years are still ahead of you. And it's really great to hear that from you too. Like even best sex life can be in the future, can be after menopause if you want it to be, right? Yes, absolutely. When Sex Again first came out, there's a six-week program in the book to sort of rekindle your sex life. And I had a patient in her 80s with her husband do the six-week program, and they wow. elongated it. They made it a 12-week program, <laughs> which is very sweet. But they worked their way through the six-week program, and they t uh, the feedback they gave me was that it reignited something for them that they thought was in the past. Wow, that's incredible. I love that. I also love all of the Taoist philosophy that you bring into this book. One thing that you mentioned that kind of piqued my curiosity was that you talk about the nine parts of a female orgasm. And so I'm, I'm curious about this. Can you talk a little bit about what what is this nine-part <laughs> orgasm? Well, the Dallas were very into female orgasm considering a lot of their advice was for men. Uh, and the reason, and I think this was very sensible, is the philosophy behind this was that men gain energetically from being part of female orgasm, for being connected to women during orgasm. Uh, and so they actually gain life force by helping uh, a woman have an orgasm. This seems like a very good piece of advice to me uh, as a woman. <laughs> yes. And so I did, I looked at that and they divided up into sort of nine stages so that um, a male partner could observe and move along with all the stages of orgasm and be part of that, a true partner in that. And I put that in the book because I thought it was sort of, it's hundreds and hundreds of years old, this wisdom, but I thought it was still really relevant that orgasm is a process and not a sort of aim in itself. And so the, these various stages of arousal and being able to identify them seemed like good advice to me. Yeah, it's almost like playing with different forms of energy yes. at each stage. 
Yes. You know, cultivating energy, watching it, moving it. Yes. Um, really getting in touch with it. You know, not all about a climax as just that one energetic moment, but yes, energy at every stage. Yes, exactly. And I love how you put that, Whitney. It is, it's about cultivating and nurturing this energy and then moving it. And it's a, a dance in some ways. It is, the Taoists would say, a, a dance between yin and yang, receptivity and activity for both partners. Good sex requires you to be receptive and perceptive and minutely sort of connected to what your where your partner is and then also active and that sort of interplay between activity and receptivity is the interplay between yin and yang and the reason that it is so connected to creation literally creating human beings is because when we create another human being as you have just done <laughs> with your little baby we're bringing together yin and yang we're we're bringing together both aspects of chi to make to create life. So that awareness and then action is part of all creativity, I think. And now for a quick break. I'm so excited to tell you a bit more about an exciting campaign we're launching this month. From February 8th to February 28th, when you purchase a Metabolism Super Powder subscription, you'll receive exclusive access to amazing content from Kama, a sexual wellness app, and a special gift from Foria. You'll also receive a ton of educational content around the female libido, new exclusive Metabolism Super Powder recipes, and so much more. If you're interested in participating in this special offer, for a limited time, we are gifting you $15 off your first purchase of our best-selling Metabolism Super Powder. Simply go to sakara.com forward slash MSP at checkout and use the code PODCAST15. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com forward slash M-S-P, like Metabolism Super Powder, and enter Podcast 15 at checkout for $15 off your first purchase. And let's talk about this, Yen and Yang. You talk about how if people are out of balance, if they have too much yang energy or lack yang, that it can affect their their sexual energy and it can affect their sexual drive, their libido and their pleasure. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and how it can affect your sex life? Yes, there's a misconception that yin is female and yang is male. But in fact, we're all combinations of yin and yang. Every phenomenon in the universe is a dynamic relationship between yin and yang in Chinese philosophy. So in your relationship, you have a tendency to balance yin and yang. And that isn't just yin, female, and young male. It's, you know, some of your responsibilities are more sort of receptive and nurturing and yin, and some of them are more aggressive and outward and young. And if you go too far in one direction, you can start to put pressure on your relationship. And in the book, I talk about when I was in the early days of building my business, I had to be extremely young 
in order to, you've built a business, you know, you just have to work and work and work and kind of hustle and get out there. And so I was very young. I was working long hours a day. And my husband, in order to balance up, became more yin. And so he was looking after our daughter more and doing more of cooking and shopping and things like that. And there was a point at which our relationship started to suffer because we were neither of us in balance. He was having to do too much yin and I was too far young. And when I started to pull back a little bit, he was able to balance himself again. And we felt so much better as a couple. And it was just a Applying the principles of Chinese medicine, he's an acupuncturist too, was really helpful for us. We could see it. We were like, well, you know, my workload is making you too housebound. <laughs> we need yeah. to balance it up, which we did. And I wanted couples to be able to look at their relationship that way rather than just in a stereotypical gender roles, which I don't think are very helpful, is uh, how whole am I being or am I being asked to be a version of myself that is not complete at this point? Am I missing part of myself? Yeah, I love that. And then also this yin and yang imbalance can affect your physical body. So can you tell us how is this energy or libido related to your metabolism like that you mention in your book that it can affect your your metabolism can affect your thyroid different parts of your body if you're out of balance can you talk a little bit about that well yes if you're out of balance you know i see your chi as your body's intelligence and really whitney what it is is it's your body's consciousness your body has a consciousness your body takes decisions all day completely outside of your mind if you had to think about all the things <laughs> that you needed to do you wouldn't survive and it's the part of our body we take for granted is that it is intelligent and so your thyroid is calibrating. And to do that, to go back to yin and yang, it's being both receptive and active. You know, every cell in your body is receptive enough to understand where it is and what it's supposed to do, and then active enough to transform given a prompt. And that is a form of intelligence, of consciousness. And so what I want is to help people understand how to support that consciousness. You know, if you think of your body as really smart, endlessly recalibrating, you have a couple of extra glasses of wine at dinner. And as long as you don't do it every night, your body, your liver just kicks in and knows what to do mm -hmm. and filters and you just take it for granted. And you may be a little pale in the morning, but you're fine because your liver's handled it. And so I wanted to make people conscious of the miracle that is their body and how much intelligence and communication is going on. And then how do you support that? And of course, one of the ways you support that is with very healthy whole food, you know, that has an intelligent food that has intelligence that has its own vibration that hasn't been you know corn that has taken in the sun and hasn't been extruded <laughs> and flattened into a cornflake <laughs> but still has its whole its wholeness is intelligent it has taken in that energy and it supports your body's intelligence yeah i love that and i also you know when you think about chi and you think about this life energy and what it does to your body and how you have all of these mechanisms and they need energy to flow. We're a system, it's circulation, your heart is pumping, all of these things are happening at the same time. You need that chi, that life energy 
to keep those systems going, which is, in a sense, your also your metabolism, your ability to take food and turn it into energy, right? And I think that that's also a piece of where what you eat matters and how it affects your metabolism because you're you're getting that information, that energy from a food and it's going into your system. Is it adding to your life energy and helping that metabolism work or is it detracting from it? Is it putting too much stress and strain on those systems and detracting from your life energy? I see it as very much in those terms that you can either support your body's extraordinary intelligence or you can bog it down (laughs) and you do that with the choices you make. And I think the first step in that, Whitney, is understanding that your body has consciousness, that you don't have to think, oh, I must ovulate next Wednesday. I'll put in my Google calendar because your body has a rhythm and an intelligence and is receptive and then active in in finely calibrated ways. And you can bog your body down. Most of the chronic diseases that I treat are really disorders of communication, poor communication between organ systems, poor communication within a a system like hormonally or metabolically. And it's why actually Western medicine has trouble helping people with chronic ailments. Western medicine is extremely good at helping people with acute problems. But often these, you know, irritable bowel, allergies, autoimmune diseases, these are disorders of your body's intelligent communication. And to fix them, you need to support your body to communicate better. And that's why eating healthily, moving your body. You mentioned getting your heart pumping. I always explain to the patients, it's not just your heart. You know, when you get your blood moving, you're also cleaning out your liver (laughs) at the same time. You're pumping blood through all your organs uh, at the same time. And that is a a really important part of uh, of your body's ability to communicate. Now, this is a weird question. This was not in my list of questions to be asking you. But it's something that's been on my mind lately that I've been thinking about where so often people talk about the mind and the body and they talk about them almost like two different things. Actually, they talk about mind, body and spirit, like there are three different things. I want to know what you think about this because you talk about how the body has consciousness. And so it's almost like your mind is in every piece of your body, every cell, everything But then I think about what is mind versus spirit and is it spirit in every single cell? And are you a spirit inside of a body? Are you a mind inside of a body or are are you the body? How do you see it connected? Here's how I see it. And this is, uh, you know, just personal, having worked with so many patients. I always tell my patients that your energy field is everything that isn't skin and tissue and bone. So it is all of that consciousness we talked about, all of that intelligence, which is outside of your mind, but it's also your mind. It's also your mind isn't skin and tissue and bone. Your brain is, but your mind is a part of your energy field. And so you can use it to support that consciousness in your body. 
Now, mines are inherently somewhat unreliable, I think. And the reason is because your mind is suffering from an illusion, which is that your physical body is all that exists. Yeah. And so keeping you safe and free from pain is kind of your mind's job. So your mind takes past experiences that, you know, have been traumatic and tries to help you avoid them in the future and sort of extrapolate out. And that makes your mind somewhat unreliable. But I would say, that your spirit is really bigger than your mind. Your consciousness, uh, which is how I would see spirit, is bigger than your mind. You can, when you meditate, watch your mind have thoughts. Uh, you know, that's for, uh, very much part of Buddhist meditation. You just watch your thoughts go through. And someone has to do the watching. And that is you. That is your consciousness. And it is as tiny as every cell that is intelligent, but it's also bigger than you. At some level, it is all of us. It is our shared consciousness. And I think, Whitney, it would be true to say, not that we are physical bodies full of consciousness, but that we are consciousness experiencing the physical as us. So you are consciousness Whitneying over there, <laughs> and I am consciousness Jilling over here, and it is the same consciousness. And that brings us back to sex, because I think that is something we instinctively know, is that our father's reaches of our spirit we're all each other. And if we ever really got that, we wouldn't be able to other each other the way we do, actually. And we all do that to some extent. And I think sex is one of those ways with a, in a loving, supportive relationship is one of those ways where you start to feel that furthest extent of, oh, we're exactly the same thing, having a physical experience. Wow. Mind blown. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, this is really inspiring to me uh, to get back into feeling sexual in my body and in my energy. I definitely do feel the connection just personally to my creativity through sex. You know, I, I do think there are other ways to to drive that energy like we talked about, but it is a tool in my toolkit to achieve that connection, that energy, that moment of enlightenment, which can just open, it opens you up to information maybe that you need to download from the connected universe or to pull some of that energy in order to be able to create new things, whether it's a human or business or anything else, right? Well, that actually is a really insightful comment, Whitney, because it's true. The same loosening off of self that you do to enjoy sex is the same letting go of self that you do to access what in ancient Chinese philosophy was called the Tao, which is all of our shared consciousness, the container for our experience as human beings. And we get inspiration from the Tao. It's called after the in-breath for a reason. We pull in information from the fields around us. That's why when a good idea's time has come, several people have it at once. That often happens, doesn't it? It's because we're not actually originating everything ourselves. We're tapping into our shared consciousness and we do it all day, 
in ways that are tiny, you know, we pick up a vibe, <laughs> we act on it. We're intuitive because we can tap into this field and you can teach yourself to tap into it more and more. And sex is one of the ways you can teach yourself to do that because it requires the same kind of letting go and dissolving of self mm. that getting inspiration from the bigger field does. I think one of my mantras early on and that I come back to all the time was from Louise Hay, which is life flows through me with ease. And when times get tough, I just come back to thinking about that. And how can I let the energy of life and what is supposed to happen help push me in that direction instead of just kind of fighting it or letting my ego block me and hold me stagnant in certain places. And so I really love this idea of thinking about what is in your toolkit to help you be in the flow of life and that sex can be a piece of that. It can be instead of perhaps psychedelic drugs or, you know, other <laughs> things that people use to kind of like tap into that, that you, if you're, participating in sex from a place of, with that intention of having a spiritual moment of being in that energetic flow with consciousness, that that can be one of your tools to, yeah, to have the download, to be part of that flow of life or get back into the flow of feeling stagnant. And I think when I think about it like that, it takes off some of the pressures around what do I look like? Uh, am I performing, you know, to the way that that girl does in whatever, in a porn or whatever else? And yes. lets it be about, yeah, about energy and connection and yes. this greater meaning. And about your own connection to your own body's intelligence and to someone else's. Once you drop the idea of it being performative, that I think is the first step. And then you're open to receive too. And I'm thinking of you as I talk to you because you've just had a baby and you were talking about getting back to your sex life. And one of the things that I think young mums often need is to receive. You give out a lot when you have a baby physically. And so uh, some sort of balancing up is to sort of receive pleasure mm. in your body. If you think about how many hugs and cuddles you give, as well as food and nourishment and comfort and picking up when crying and things like that. What you need, actually, is someone to give you physical comfort, and that would balance up for you a lot of that energy that you're putting out. And once you see sex energetically, you start to see, oh, you know, you would appreciate being held because you're doing a lot of holding kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, how do we get our partners to also come to it on the same plane with us? Because if we are being feared of how, how we're judged by our partner, Yes, then it is a shedding of ourselves and our ego, but also we're hoping to shed the eyes of, of the other person. The judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you start by opening the conversation. There's a, an exercise in sex again called kiss like you would like to be kissed which seems funny but it, and sweet, yeah? But it's a way of just showing what you need, yeah? So you kiss your partner how you would like to be kissed and you teach them that way. 
And I think in any sort of supportive, loving relationship, our partners want us to be happy and fulfilled and take care of us. And they don't necessarily know unless we tell them what it is we need. And we don't necessarily know unless we ask ourselves <laughs> what it is we need, actually. So the first thing is to understand what you need and then ask for it. And, uh, you know, in uh, not in every relationship, but I think in, in happy relationships, most partners would be delighted to hear what mm-hmm. they could do to take care of you. Absolutely. And I also love that you recommend removing the judgment around sex about how pleasurable it was was it perfect this time and just saying you know it's not going to be that wow spiritual blow my mind sex every single time and that is absolutely okay well a lot of that is about staying present during sex you know sex shouldn't be goal orientated really (laughs) and it's only goal orientated if you're like bringing past experience to bear or living in the future somehow, just staying present in what does this feel like? What would this connection feel like? And this is, uh, you know, it can be really playful and fun and kind and connecting and warm. And it doesn't have to be mind blowing every time at all. And people get a lot out of sexual connection. Even patients tell me just even a quickie. (laughs) which is all some people have time for between kids and work and things like that makes them feel they get a sense of their connection and why they're together and I think that is important absolutely so you have so many amazing exercises in your book and I'm excited to try some of those out and ease my way back into things but for our listeners today we do something that is called light work. And that's an exercise or a challenge to give our listeners to help them take that leap into doing some of this work uh, so that they can shine their light a little brighter. So I'd love for you to share a light work with our listeners today. Let's do a bit of guided meditation. And this is something that in the book I called the loop. Uh, In Taoism, it translates as the microcosmic orbit, but I didn't think that sounded very sexy. (laughs) So I just called it the loop. And it's a way of spreading sexual pleasure through your body. But to start Mm -hmm. with, it's just a way of creating the channels that move energy through your body. So let's do it together. Okay. and everybody at home, just close your eyes and take some nice settling breaths into your abdomen. And then I want you to imagine that you have tree roots growing out of your sacrum and the balls of your feet. And in your mind's eye, see them going into the ground and just watch them go deeper and deeper and deeper. And feel the pull of gravity on your body. Feel how solid and physical you are. Feel how connected you are to the earth, how connected you are to the annual rhythm of the moon, the the monthly rhythm of the moon or the annual movement of the sun, how much the earth nourishes you with moisture and food and shelter and oxygen. You're very much a creature of the earth. However, you would just be an empty shell 
if your body didn't have consciousness. And we're going to look at moving that consciousness around. But first, let's connect to the part of that consciousness that is bigger than us. Imagine a ball of dynamic light above your head. And this light is both receptive, yin, and active, yang. It's literally the stuff that gives you life. Without it, you would be inert. And just bring that light into your head and take it all the way down your spine to your root and feel it as resource. Feel your connection to something bigger. Feel your whole central nervous system, your brain and your spinal cord just light up with information. And then put your focus on your pelvis and imagine a bowl of warm oil in your pelvis. And this bowl has a straw going all the way up your backbone to the top of your head. And when you breathe in, just take the oil up the straw all the way up your spine, through your head, to the top of your head. And when you breathe out, imagine it flowing all the way across the front of your body and then connecting again, pooling in the bowl. Breathe in, take the oil all the way to the top of your head. Breathe out, let it flow across the front of your body and collect again in the bowl. And when it feels good, you can open your eyes very gently and we'll come back together. Wow. That that is a way of circulating sexual energy. You can do that whilst giving yourself sexual pleasure. You can do that with a partner and you can even, when you get like a sophisticated looper, your partner can breathe out as you breathe in and you can circulate the energy uh, up your spine and down theirs, if that makes sense. You, you can synchronize, but that's that's more advanced looping than we're doing today. <laughs> All right. Something to work towards as well. But <laughs> I think I need to just start with, yeah, with this looping and, and getting back into my body. And yes cultivating that energy. I really love this conversation today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and with our listeners. Excited to try all of those different exercises in your book, Sex Again, and start, yeah, recharging my libido, that life energy, that sexual energy. So thank you again. It's always a pleasure to see you, Whitney. I'm so happy to see you after having your beautiful baby. Good for you. Thank you. That was wonderful. So fun. It's been a joy to see you, my friend. Thank you. Likewise. I loved today's light work with Dr. Jill Blakeway. As a reminder, you can come back to this at any time, fast forward through the episode and just get to the light work. Anytime you want to practice that loop and cultivating that sexual energy, I know I will be listening to this episode over and over again and doing that exercise along with her. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at Sakara Life. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. 
And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. <laughs>